Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. In this episode, we're going to look at the third of our topics on K, Kashrut, and specifically on the issue of blended whiskey, whiskey that has had uh, some wine added to it, and wine of non-Jews is not kosher, uh, what does that do to the halachic status of whiskey? Which really becomes a question in general about uh, does whiskey need a hechsher because uh, of these possible additives. So Rav Moshe deals with this question in Yeridea 162, in a Jew dated from March 1948. Um, and this was in response to a query that he received from Rabbi Pinchas Teitz of Elizabeth, New Jersey, who had begun his own hashkacha of whiskeys, blended whiskeys, to ensure that there was no wine and no glycerin. Glycerin is also the product that is sometimes added that could be derived from animal fat and therefore obviously also a halachic problem. So we're going to look at Rav Moshe's classic tshuva on this, which is Yerdea 162, and then briefly at a number of other tshuvot that uh, also touch on this issue and clarify some points. Now, before we jump in, let's uh, first spend a minute or two to do, give a little background. First, about these additives, uh, glycerin and wine, um, and there are also other possible additives. These additives are called blenders, hence blended whiskey, and apparently one of the reasons that they're added is not just taste, but because uh, alcohol liquor is taxed based on the alcohol content and the ability of the manufacturer to add something like wine, which... Um, uh, increases the alcohol content, but at a lower tax rate is uh, one of the reasons that this is added, at least up to 2%, or we'll see where Moshe talks to 2.5%, um, is allowable from a tax perspective. And that's interesting because it means that it's not necessarily being done for the sake of taste, as opposed to maybe uh, the issue of sherry casks. And we'll spend a few minutes at the end talking about scotch aged in sherry casks and how this connects to it. Now, let's do a little talk about a little background relating to the halacha and what we find in Shulchan Aruch around this, because Rav Moshe's primary approach is going to uh, be that of Bittel, to say that the wine is batel, um, is nullified uh, because of its small percentage in the whiskey. The problem is, is that Bittel normally we assume is 1 in 60. That would mean less than 1 in 0.6 percent. Uh, but the wine uh, would be up to 2%, or if Moshe even says 2.5%. So what type of option does this sort of leave us with? Well, if you take a look in the Shulchan Aruch, you'll find that there are some different opinions when it comes to the issue about Stam Yenam. Now, there are two terms here. Yayin is wine actually poured um, for an idolatrous libation, and that's very strict, forbidden in Hana'ah, and could be very, very strict when it comes to issues of bittel, of nullification. But Stam Yenam is just normal wine of non-Jews, which is not used in any idolatrous context and maybe is based on an extension of that idea. And the other reason is also to limit socialization and possibly intermarriage. And because of that, it's possible that there are some more leniencies when we're dealing with that. So first we look at Shulchan Aruch Yerdea, Kuf Lamed Dalid Yud Gimel, 134.13, where Shulchan Aruch says, Kol shadarkam asurim. All types of drinks of non-Jews that they often might mix in, wine or wine vinegar, are forbidden. Um, and then the Ramah says it's only when it's giving a good taste, not if it's being added for color and might be giving ultimately a bad taste and so on. So that seems to be our case of blended whiskey. Um, but now we continue, because in the tour on Kuflam Dalid 134, he tells us that there's a debate of the Rishonim in terms of how Bittu works for Stam Yenam. And he says the following, 
So if, if this uh, wine is mixed, he says, but he means is mixed with water, then as long as it gives some taste, it's forbidden, which is your normal 1 in 60. Some say that's 1 in 60. Since it's water, which is interesting, suggests water has a special halacha, and we're going to see this is going to be critical. Ad sheish. He says up till six is considered mixing. That's what they would do. They would add water to their wine. Um, and normally it would be, um, you know, uh, one in three or one in four. Um, but the, but up to one in six, says Rive, it is a classic mixing of water with wine. But more than that is no longer normal for wine and makes it bad wine. And therefore, if there's six times as much water to wine, it is permissible to drink it. It removes the status of stam yenam, and the re also says this. So this is great. The only thing we have to figure out is do we rule like the rivid? And also, is it only water or would it relate to also other liquids? So the Shulchan Aruch in Kuflamidalid 134.5 uh, says as follows. He says, How much does there need to be in water to negate the, t- the taste of wine? Six times as much. Rule straight like the rivet. Six times water to wine, you're totally fine. And the Ramas makes a side point, but seems to totally accept the ruling of the Shulchan Aruch. The only problem is that the Ramah makes a parenthetical comment earlier, 20 simanim earlier, in 114.4. And there, the Shochanar says that if we are afraid uh, of the type that um, the, the various drinks we're, we're buying from non-Jews might have some wine mixed into it, then it is forbidden. And the Ramah adds, until they're 60. Without 60 times, if you can assume they're 60 times, then it's fine. You can buy these these. Uh, liquids, these drinks, but if you can't assume 60 times and you're concerned about wine, then you can't uh, drink these other liquids that might have wine mixed into them. So that seems to say that the Ramah is ruling you need 60, not 6. And the Taz notes that maybe you would make a distinction between water and other liquids. Maybe it's only water that could nullify, maybe other liquids not. But in the end, the Taz says, no, other liquids are stronger, and it makes even more sense that other liquids should nullify the taste of, of wine. And he says, in the end, the Ramah is just saying shishim, sort of, you know, by habit and by rote. But really, the Ramah would rule, like the, like the Mechaber, that it would be six times as much water or any liquid to nullify. And this position of the Taz is going to be the basis of Rav Moshe. It should be added that the Shach in the Nekudas HaKesef uh, critiques this and disagrees with this and says it's only water, it doesn't apply to other liquids, but a lot of Achronim rule like the Taz, including the Prichadash, the Chachmas Adam, the Magin Avram, the Minchas Yitzchak, and as we're going to see, Rav Moshe. So that's what we come in with, looking at the fact that Stam Yenam, some say in Water is as bottle in six, and maybe other liquids. Um, although there is some question about that, and now we turn to Rav Moshe's shoot. So here we go, and again, this is your day one sixty-two. The davar blended yash, which is yayin saraf, blended whiskey. Erev Rosh Chodesh Adar Sheni Tashin Chet, so nineteen forty-eight, um, a relatively early one from when he was in America. 
relatively. And Malad Kvod Yididi Harav Hagonim Mufursam Marina Rav Pinchas Taitz Shlita Hagonav based in Elizabeth. So it's Rav Pinchas Taitz uh, in from Elizabeth, New Jersey. And he says, Kibalti Michtava Yakar Bedavar Hayash blended Shetachas Hashkachto that you have now set up a Hashkacha for blended whiskey. Osim blended Shalobatarovas Yain Viglycerin to ensure that there's no added wine or glycerin. So, to you, that's great that you did that. That makes it now wine that even those who want to be super strict can drink from it. Um, excuse me, whiskey that even those who want to be super strict can drink from it. Because he says, I'm going to basically go through a whole tshuva to show why it's not necessary. But any type of a thing that you need a psak on, it's not obviously mutter, um, is something that somebody who wants to achieve a higher level of frumkite might want to avoid. And here we are already beginning to see echoes, which we will continue to see, of the earlier Rav Moshe about Chal of Yisrael. That on the one hand, completely validating the practice of not caring about Chal of Yisrael and just buying uh, milk from the supermarket, and at the same time giving uh, recognition and weight and value to those that want to be careful about Chal of Yisrael. So here he's saying the same thing. You want to create something that doesn't even need a psak, that, that's great. But I, personally, if you want to know my position, he says the following, even though I do permit it, so, and as we're going to see, he's going to say, blended um, Generally, I avoid it. Something very similar that we saw about Chal of Yisrael. But here he actually says what we did not hear by Chal of Yisrael, that he would be prepared to drink it under some circumstances. When he's in a group of people, it's fascinating that Rav Moshe says, I'm with a group of people, somebody takes out a bottle, we all have a l'chaim. I don't want to seem so frum. Here we're talking about Rav Moshe Feinstein, the Bosekator. I don't want to seem to be taking on frumkite airs in that type of a, uh, you know, of a gathering. I would take a little bit, I'd make a lechaim, I'd take a little drink in Nahug. But ideally, you know, it's better to avoid. So it's great that you're doing this, but now I'm going to say why it's not necessary. And by starting a tshuva and saying that even he, uh, you know, with a pretty low threshold, is prepared to uh, drink this, uh, you know, whiskey that did not have a hechsher on it and that might have some wine in it, obviously is making a very strong statement at the same time that he's saying that it's nice to be from and to try to avoid it. So let's take a look. And now he begins his argument why it's permissible. He says, hayash blended So he says one in 40, two and a half percent, yayin. It is permissible. And then he makes the reference to what we saw earlier, that it, it is batel in six times as much water. And even though the Ramah in another place quotes both positions, uh, it's clear that he poskins the lenient one, that it's batel in six times as much. And and this is important because this is all just about liquid and liquid. So if you put it, you add it as a, to a dish, to a type of a stew or something, not something, not a drinkable liquid. Um, you know, you add it to, you're, you're marinating your meat in it or something. Then it goes by the normal halachas of shishim. But when it's mixed with liquids, so that is when it's mixed with liquids like 
whiskey, that is a different story. And we will see as we continue, why should it be there's a different measure for the bitl that occurs with whis- with uh, wine, with other liquids, water, whiskey, and so on, as opposed to wine and a type of a stew. And now he continues and sort of establishes this idea that we go for wine with bitl of six. And first he references a halacha in brachot. And he says that, you know, we found that actually if wine is mixed with strong liquids like uh, whiskey and so on, you would no longer make a geffen once it was even a majority of the other liquid. So you see it doesn't take a lot for something to lose its uh, status of wine and other liquids have even a greater power to do this, which is what the Taz said, uh, than water. And then Moshe goes on to say that, you know, it's not necessarily the same uh, bracha as opposed to this issue of bitl for stam yenam, uh, but nevertheless, the fact that there other liquids are stronger than water um, would certainly would certainly argue here that they're at least uh, as powerful as water, and if bitl with water is six times as much, then the same would be true with whiskey. Um, and then he acknowledges that this is a debate of the Shach and the Taz, and says, Even though the Shach and the Kudas HaKesef does not extend it to other liquids, he says, Nevertheless, It's obvious from the Rashbats that if that's what we're going to say for brachos, that other liquids are stronger than water, they should be at least as powerful when it comes to bitol. Um, and then he says, Other poskim say that we wine of stam yenam is bottled not only in water, but in other liquids as well. And therefore, all you need is six times as much, so it is very easy to achieve bittel here. And that is why it doesn't really need a Now, why actually it should be bottle with only six times is not very clear at all. Normally, the rule is 60. And Rav Moshe will elaborate on this in another tshuva. Here, he addresses it in passing. Um, and first, he deals with a position of a sefer called Mata Yehonatan, uh, which argued that when the wine is added, this idea that it could be bottled with six times as water is only when it's uh, not added for the sake of improving the taste. But when it's added for the sake of improving the taste, then it would follow the normal rules of bittel. So Rav Moshe says, that doesn't make any sense. Aval eno moven klal, pogim is hamayim. When you add wine to water, the water makes the wine worse, but the wine is making the water better. You add a little wine to water in order to give your water a little flavor. So when wine is added to water, it makes the water better, and if nevertheless it's bottled with six, the same would be true with whiskey. Now, if all of this is true, why is six sufficient? The whiskey tastes better, it's not 60 times as much, so the normal rules of Bittel should say that the thing is still present and it's still a problem. So here he says, the, he, he addresses this very briefly. Yes, the wine makes the water better, but the water makes the wine into just some type of, you know, fruit juice. It, stop, it takes away its status of wine. When the wine is diluted enough, it stops being wine. says once you have too much water added, it's not the full taste of wine. So there is some taste of wine. It stops being the forbidden thing because it stops being wine. Now that's a fascinating thing. We no, idea we normally don't say that. 
we normally say, you know, if you have a little additive, you have wine taste in the water, and if it's still tasteable, that should be a problem, and it should not be bottled and nullified. But here, and this is presumably why there is a difference between when it's mixed with liquids as opposed to when it's added to the stew or you marinate your meat. When it's added to the stew or you marinate your meat, then you have a little wine flavoring, a little wine as an ingredient added to the stew. And go by the normal bit you need 60 times or else you can still taste it and it's a problem. But when you mix it with another liquid like water or whiskey um, or fruit juice or whatever you're mixing it with, the question is what type of a drink do you have here? And you no longer have wine here. You have some other drink, but once it's too diluted, it stops being wine. And once it stops being wine, then it loses its status of isser. And here it's important to understand that the rabbis forbade this because of the weight and the status that something, that something had, the social status of wine. Wine was used for libations. Wine was used for social drinking. So when you have a mixture of liquids, at a certain point you say, we no longer have wine here. And we don't have apple juice with wine flavoring. We have apple juice with maybe some, you know, fermented grape juice in it. But it no longer look at it because you're looking at what type of a liquid you have in front of you. Um, and therefore, that's the point that it stops being wine and the isser just goes away because it no longer is that thing that the rabbis forbade. It's not like chazer, you know, or something else that's mixed up that as long as there's a taste, who cares what's it, what, what it's mixed up in, you still have some chazer here. Here, what makes fermented grape juice wine is a certain type of a uh, social status that it has, um, and when it's too diluted, it stops having that status. Now, that's the basic basis for Rav Moshe permitting it, ruling like the position that it's butel with six times as much. Um, but now he gives other bases and deals with other related issues. So first he deals with the point about, look, if it's not under any hashkacha, it's a suffix, it's a doubt, and we can be lenient. Now, that's completely against, of course, our current reality. This was in 1948. Um, I don't think hashkachas had transformed the world of Jewish eating yet at that stage. Um, and um, when you don't live in a world in which everything has a hashkacha, uh, you don't always have to know uh, all of the details. You can make certain types of assumptions. So Rav Moshe says, So look, it's, if it doesn't say on the label that there's wine, but the point is they're allowed to add wine without including it in the list of ingredients, and therefore it's possible. There's some versions of blended whiskey that don't have wine. And since this whole issue of Stam Yenem is rabbinic, we can assume that these are not the problematic, the problematic types of blended whiskey. Um, so quite fascinating. Nobody, I think, nowadays would think about doing that. You'd call up the factory. You'd call up the uh, producer. You'd call up the OU hotline. But this is what's in a time when, um, and this is still this way, I think, in, in Europe, for example, where you don't have hashgachas ruling uh, the entire food industry, um, and therefore you make certain assumptions, suffix Rabban and Lakula, what kind of assumptions can we make, and so on. So Rav Moshe said that would be another reason to permit it. Of course, most people wouldn't want that. People want to say that it's really not a problem at all. Um, and that's what Rav Moshe says. He says, 
Now, if you know there's wine, then you can't rely on that. But but we can rely on the Taz and say that it's Batel in six times. Now he has two other issues to contend with. One is, How can we go ahead and buy a product that has Isser mixed up in it? For nowadays, you would never get a Heksher on a product that had actual Isser that was Batel. You know, if you're going to give a Heksher on a product, they want it to have zero uh, forbidden foods in it. They don't rely on bittel. Uh, but again, that wasn't the reality dealing with here. If Moshe would say, okay, there's some wine, it's bottle, not a problem. Oh, one minute, but are you allowed to do that? Because they're doing a bittel. How does that fit in with the idea that you're not supposed to intentionally be mavatil something? And here of Moshe corrects some really um, misunderstandings about that. Number one, buying a product um, that had already things mixed together and the bittel was already done is not a problem of ein mavatlin iser. Ein mavatlin iser is only a problem of the one who is doing the mixing of the forbidden food with the kosher food. The other position, that's point number one, the other position that Rav Moshe takes um, that not everybody agrees with is that it's only a problem if a Jew is doing the mixing, because that halacha that you're not allowed to intentionally create bittol is said for Jews. It's not said for non-Jews, and therefore if it's a non-Jewish factory, it's not a problem at all. What if it is a Jewish factory? Let's see what he says. So how about the problem that they're intentionally doing bittol? So im ha-factory shall hayashu shall Yisrael. Okay, fine. If it's Jewish owned, then and only then do you have the problem of Ein Mavatlin Isser. Now, that's their prohibition. Why do I care? Because if somebody transgressed Ein Mevatlin Isser, intentionally mixed it up, I, the person for whom it was done, cannot benefit from it, cannot actually eat it. So Rav Moshe says, listen, that is not a problem. You might think that because they're doing it for whoever buys it, it's like, you know, they did it for your sake and therefore it's forbidden to you. But he says no. He says, look, the majority of the people who buy this are non-Jews, and therefore, and therefore, fundamentally, this is being made for non-Jews and not for Jews, and even if a Jew buys it, there is no problem um, of Ein Mevatlin Isser. So even if the Jew was, it was a Jewish company and they did something wrong by intentionally mixing in this problematic wine, it doesn't make it forbidden to the Jewish consumer because this is really fundamentally made for the non-Jews, not for the Jews, and therefore this prohibition does, of eating the food that was, that bitter was made for my sake, does not apply in this case. Now, what about the issue of glycerin? Glycerin is often derived from animal Fats. That seems to be a pretty big problem. So Rav Moshe says, There's no taste in that. That's added for other reasons, for smoothness, other types of ways it affects the, you know, the uh, uh, drinkability of the whiskey. It makes it easier to swallow. So Rav Moshe has gone through all the reasons. It basically boils down to the fact that with liquids, uh, stamienum is bottle in six, glycerin, uh, there's a very minute amount. Ein mevatlin is only relevant if it's a Jewish company, and even then it's not really a problem for the consumers. And he solved all the problems. And now he fr- goes back to frame it similar to the Chal of Yisrael issue about dealing with these two populations. On the one hand, what's really motivating this position 
in, ter- in addition to the halachic, that he feels that this is halachically correct, is the widespread drinking of blended whiskeys without a hechsher um, in the Frum community. Um, and similar to the Chal of Yisrael, the widespread drinking of uh, milk from the supermarket. And then at the same time, finding a way to give uh, weight and strength to those who have the chumrah and want to be careful and want to only do it with a hashkacha. So here's what he says. We have seen that all of the rabbis in America have never been concerned about the whiskey, Tanita Hechsher, Shemedina Lesor, Vegam Hukimat, Kol Yisrael, Shemedinas Elu Shasuze. And, you know, it's all Jews drink this. Nobody asks, asks for a hashkacha. And v'chas v'shalom l'mash asu iser. God forbid we should say they did something wrong. So starting from the fact that this is what's already practiced in the Frum community, and therefore it must be that it is okay, not just a kula, but mi'ikar hadin, just like we saw by Chal of Yisrael. Elhu kidibiyarti shemidina mutar, the same language used by Chal of Yisrael. It's not a kula. As a matter of basic halacha lechatchila, it's permissible. V'im'einim nevim b'nei nevim heim. And even if they're not prophets, they're children of prophets, meaning they intuitively understood that this was okay. And so there he goes. It's totally permissible. I've now explained why. You should have no hesitation to do it. Rav Moshe himself says he does it if he's sort of in a social context in which it's expected. But now he speaks, goes to, a, to discuss why a bal nefesh, somebody who wants a higher level, it should try to avoid this and maybe only drink whiskey with a hashkacha. Zeuladina. This is the halacha, but a bal nefesh should adopt an extra stringency, exactly the same framing as Chal of Yisrael. And then he goes through, and we don't have to look at all of them, but he says, number one, there's a question whether stam yenam is forbidden in benefit, and if it's forbidden in benefit, the batal bu with six times won't really make much sense because you're still getting benefit from it. Number two, um, there are many that don't agree with the basic psak of the Shulchan Aruch, and even with water, you need 60 and not 6. Number 3, the Shach's position, even though he ruled like the Taz, there is the Shach's position that uh, it's only water and other liquids has the regular rule of 60. Um, number 4, the Mata Yehonatan's position that he mentioned, that when it's added intentionally to give a good taste, it's not Batel. So all of these are reasons um, why it, one might say, look, there are a lot of other shitot. I accept that the basic psak is it's okay, but I want to be, you know, concerned with those other positions. Rav Moshe says, that's nice as an act of frumkai, it's a chumrah, but me'ikar hadin, it's totally okay. Even though you certainly should not say it's forbidden. And now strengthening, again, like we saw by Chal of Yisrael, those who went into the business of making Chal of Yisrael, strengthening, giving chizuk, to the giving of a hashkacha to this blended whiskey. As yedivik fotorasav shirashi blended yadua shu below yain below chash iser acher. Thank God that you're doing this. Why? Not that it allows something problematic to be mutter, but kadei shehe roi gam lebal nefesh. It allows now for people who want to be from to adopt this chumra because shaharoi lehem lachmir. So and therefore I say good work and it's great that you're doing this. That is the end of the tshuva. And then, just like we found by the Chal of Yisrael tshuva, there were two or three tshuvot that followed that people were pushing back and saying, wait, I don't agree with your leniency. Here, too, we had the same thing. And in the next two tshuvot, which we're not going to read, Rabbi Eliezer Taitz raises a lot of challenges to Rav Moshe's position about, is it really battle with six? Is it really when it's added specifically to give this taste? And so on. And Rav Moshe refutes them all, responds to all of them. He also raises questions about, isn't there a problem that at least for the, that if some of it is being 
being mixed for Jews, that uh, for those Jews it should be a problem of Ein Mevatlin Isra Lechatchila, and again, Rav Moshe refutes that um, as well. And I'll also mention that in one other tshuv, in Yordea 3.19, from three decades later, 1974, um, Rav Moshe elaborates on this idea that when wine is mixed with another liquid, it stops being wine. And I'll just read a key line from this. I've already pretty much uh, spelled out uh, his position. But here, for example, is a key line. He says the following. When we talk about certain types of liquids that have a problem, and specifically wine, not all fruit juices have a status uh, in halacha, but wine and oil does. And when we talk about wine, it has to be something that is in a state that somebody would drink it, not just that it's potable and it tastes good, but this is something that somebody would consider still wine, not just something that tastes good. And that's six times, up to six times water added, they'd still consider it wine, diluted wine. More than that, they wouldn't call it diluted wine. They would call it, you know, there's some type of a different taste here. It maybe has uh, some type of uh, derivative taste, but it is no longer considered wine or even diluted wine. It's considered something else. I would never want to drink something that tasted like this um, if it were, if I was looking to drink wine. It might taste okay, but I would never consider something with this taste to be wine. So that is the key. Again, as opposed to something like chazer, you know, chazer is the reality that it came from a pig. That doesn't change in terms of how it's mixed into something else. But wine, if it's mixed into a stew, so it's a stew with some wine and it goes by 60 times as much. But if it's mixed with water, you're asking yourself what the liquid is. And as certain point, the liquid stops being considered wine. And that's why the bittel happens even in less than 60, even in only um, six times as much other liquid, it creates bittel. So this is Rav Moshe's position. Blended whiskey is not a problem. And I promised that I would talk for a minute about the issue about scotch in sherry casks. And it would seem that this is an obvious application of Rav Moshe. Certainly you're going to have six times as much uh, scotch to whatever amount of sherry was absorbed into those wooden casks and then went back out into the scotch. Um, and it should be totally fine. And that's certainly how um, many rule. Um, however, there are some that say, wait, uh, you can't, it's not the same. Because if we assume, like halacha sometimes does, that these barrels are are fully absorb the sherry, so you have to, you need six times as much of the volume of the thickness of the barrels themselves. And uh, people have done the measurements, and you don't have six times of the volume in the barrel times the actual volume of the walls of the barrel themselves, and therefore it's not enough to create bittel. Of course, others uh, strongly argue on this. They say, we only assume that the outer shell absorbs, or let's actually do some empirical testing, and we'll find the amount of wine that goes back out, the amount of sherry that goes back out into the uh, scotch is is extremely minute, and therefore we go back to Rav Moshe's principle that this is batel. Now, how do di- different uh, cautious agencies rule? Well, in the UK, the Rabbanim, even the London based in, f- fully goes like Rav Moshe and says scotch is not a problem, even in sherry casks. This is also Rav Yitzchak Yaakov Weiss's position in Minchas Yitzchak. 
But when we turn to America, many of the kosher's agencies are much stricter. Uh, the CRC says that those made in a sherry cask are not recommended. Um, Star K says that unless uh, it's a little more lenient and says you don't have to be concerned that they're made in a sherry cask, but if they say they are, then they are not recommended. And the OU similarly states that anything made in a sherry cask is not acceptable. Now, Rev Moshe never directly ruled on this, but I did hear a story that somebody once uh, went to one of his sons, I forget whether it was Rev David um, or Rev Ruvain, and asked him about uh, scotch made in sherry casks, and he told him it was totally permissible. And then he said, you know, if you don't want to drink it, just bring it here. I'd be happy to take it off your hands. So uh, it certainly seems that there are many postkin that have no problem with scotch in, made in sherry casks. Um, but interestingly, the cautious agencies in the U.S. at least have adopted a stricter position. And in Rav Moshe's Psakim, we again, like in the Chal of Yisrael Tshuva, see a great balance between endorsing the practice that's accepted by broader Kla Yisrael, and not just say it's a leniency, but it's Meikar Hadin, and at the same time, giving weight to those that want to adopt a stricter position. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z, now celebrating 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Chovevei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.